G'day guys, I'm Marin Schultz with episode 125 of the Outback Mind podcast. Thank you very much for joining in once again, talking deeply about men's mental health today with the Vice President of the Australian Men's Health Forum, a lady by the name of Ray Bonnie. Now, Ray is a bit of an expert in the men's health uh, scene, which is great because we need uh, more women um, sort of guiding us in many ways, um, you know, with regards to this sort of stuff. You know, guys, we know ourselves pretty well, but also it's great to be able to get uh, some guidance from uh, our female counterparts. And, you know, Ray's been working in this scene for a long time. Uh, she's a Beyond Blue ambassador. She's, as, as I said, vice president of the Australian Men's Health Forum. So, um, works pretty deeply in that uh, area or in the area of men's well-being, men's health. But she also does some work in the workplace and doing some guidance and uh, support for organisations with regards to this sort of stuff. And is also uh, uh, a huge advocate advocate for suicide prevention. So we're going to sort of talk a bit a bit a bit about that sort of stuff today. Uh, primarily, get a bit of a snapshot of her own journey and uh, get some uh, some good, solid uh, advice and guidance with regards to being a bit more self-aware uh, to be able to manage our lives a bit better in modern society. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy this conversation. As I, um, uh, as I always say, please uh, share this with others that uh, may find it helpful. Uh, I think the more we can get out there with regards to uh, people like Ray that can come along and, and sort of share their wisdom to be able to pass on to others that may not, not only just be struggling, but just to be able to you know, bring some tools into their life to be able to help their awareness and consciousness. I think, I think it's really important. So please feel free to share this one. And I uh, just want to make special mention to our primary partners, Green Nutritionals, who provide green organic superfoods. So if you are lacking something in your diet, we're feeling a little bit uh off physically or mentally, I really encourage you to uh, check out their website because their products are purely organic, sourced from the best places around the world and can really do a lot to boost our physical and mental well-being. It's uh, greennutritionals.com.au. Also, if you're looking for work in WA or Queensland or you're an employer looking to employ some great people, uh, please check out MacForce Australia, a really ethical company that uh, do a lot to uh, to support men's well-being uh, as well. So I really encourage you to support them. It's macforce, M-A-C-F-O-R-C-E.com.au. Alrighty, hope you enjoyed this chat with uh, Ray and I. really appreciate your feedback after the uh, conversation. Welcome to the, uh, the Outback Mind podcast, Ray. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Yes. All the way um, down here in <laughs> Melbourne, sunny <laughs> Melbourne, I might say today. In fact, very hot Melbourne. Oh, true. Well, we've had um, uh, a lot of rain over the last week and... Um, uh, it's very muggy at the moment, so um, yeah, the, there's a lot of cloud cover and it's sort of holding the humidity in. It, it's not a really humid place where I live, but um, uh, yeah, it's certainly come early this year, about February, it, uh, it starts to, to get to that stage, but it's sort of uh, a bit early, but it's nice rather than being cold, isn't it, rather than uh, sort of, you know, having to, the jump, run, jumper on and the heater on, it's nice to be warm. Certainly is, certainly is. But it's nice to meet you as well. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a lot of good stuff to talk about, and uh, I'd really like the listeners to to learn a bit about yourself and and your journey. And you know, you've become pretty passionate about sort of men's uh, mental health and sort of how that all all come about, I suppose. 
Yes. Well, um, would you like me to introduce myself? Absolutely. Or... Yes. Yes. Oh, oh thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've already um, done. I've already done an introduction, by the way. That's okay. But let people know a bit about yourself. For oh, sure. No. No. If you've already done the introduction, that's all right. Yes. If anybody yeah. knows about me, but typically, um, I hang out in big, um, chunky, clunky, high-risk, male-dominated, blue-collar workplaces. So, workplace <laughs> mental health. Um, has been uh, on my agenda for the last probably 13 or 14 years and, you know, being one of the pioneers in this space because not a lot of people were speaking about workplace mental health. And uh, so back then I, um, I'm a qualified counsellor and was very fortunate to... Um, Aaron, there's a lot of feedback coming back from your end. Okay. That should hopefully be okay there, is it? Thank okay. you. Yep, go ahead. Um, and back then, I was very fortunate to meet Kate Carnell, and she was the then uh, CEO of Beyond Blue. And uh, Kate invited me to do some consulting at Beyond Blue, which was fantastic. And at the same time, that was when Beyond Blue started um, doing their research into workplace mental health to launch their product, which is called Heads Up. So I was then invited to work on the Heads Up program on their engagement team to actually bring it to life um, and start influencing workplaces around creating um, mentally healthy work environments. And it was such a fortunate position to be in to be working with world-class research, with a world-class organisation, um, really making those very early inroads into how we start creating those environments that support good mental health, safety and, and well-being in the workplace. Mm. Um, and, then, and then alongside that, I was also working with an HR consultancy who enabled me to actually start creating uh, different modules and um, interventions and interactions with workplaces as well, which became very bespoke for me, um, things that I work with even to this day. Very fortunate to work with a very clever organisational psychologist who helped me put a lot of different programs together that are very um, evidence-based, story-based. Some of it's my own um, lived experience and I've lived experience of other people as well. Um, and there's a lot of lot of work that goes into um, into into my organisation, which is called Ray Bonnie. So I, mm. I'm a public speaker, so I speak all over the world about mental health and and men's health. Got a radio show which broadcasts out of 94.1 FM, 3WBC. Mm. Um, so I typically um, interview men from all over the world, uh, talking about what it feels like being them, and um, you know. It's mentioned, you know, before what are my reasons for being so passionate about men's health and I think primarily because there are just so many gaps in men's health. There's mm. little funding, little resourcing, little acknowledgement mm. um, and a very little celebration for the male condition. So yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of difficult not to observe those things. But, you know, when I, I, I also live with... Um, chronic depression and anxiety and suicidality myself and I was raised in a really traumatic environment where men were my perpetrators and mm. um, long story short I w managed to leave home and school when I was 15 to get out of that environment but mm. um, coming out you know I had very little support myself you know this is back in the late 70s early 80s where nobody was talking about 
mental health and mm. I didn't really know what was going on for me either. Mm. So when I got into relationships with men, I was so confused and upset and hurt and in pain that I became very violent in those relationships. So that's one of the reasons why I really get terribly interested in our narrative around domestic violence only being a woman's um, issue rather than an everybody's issue. Mm-hmm. So that kind of started my real interest. You know, I remember leaving, remember leaving those environments and thinking not why am I a victim but more what happened to those men that made them behave like that. And that that still burns very brightly inside of me, Aaron, mm. for everybody, in fact, that when we see behaviour, that, um, you know, that old iceberg analogy, what you see at the tip of the iceberg, you've got no idea what's mm. going on for somebody underneath that. So, mm. um, yeah, there's a, there's a little entree into... Um, into how I arrived uh, where I am now. Mm, thank you very, very much for sharing that. Um, we've got, oh, I just heard so much of myself in what you were sort of saying there then, but, um, you know, similar ages and that too. But, yeah, I, I know the feeling of, of, of being stuck and, uh, and and not being able to move through stuff because of fear of judgment or really nowhere to go, and there wasn't back then primarily. And, um yeah you know you sort of get on the hamster wheel of uh, of self-doubt and so forth and um yeah then you do act out you do become angry and so forth and you start to express yourself uh, you know in um you know i suppose not so um socio uh, su- uh supported or um you know um recognized ways because you know you the, the the little boy or little girl inside has not been able to uh to come out and there's a lot of that uh, trauma which is you know deep within us that we you know we're unable to recognize and and, and move on and heal and, and those sorts of things and um yeah it's interesting i, I think I, I think i think also mine was a lack of self-awareness same, really yeah same here um it's certainly um you know it wasn't until i realized that my life was not tracking along the way. I mean, I was very successful, had a great career and everything like that, but behind closed doors, could not hold a relationship down. And, you know, I was always thinking, well, you know, I'm just choosing the wrong people until the day that I had to sit in front of the mirror Mm. and literally look at me and realise that I was the common denominator in everything. So it it was certainly not being stuck and not being... um, not supported so much, but it was more my own self-awareness that I had to realise, um, you know, my role in, in my life. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Well well said. You, you, you basically took responsibility and, and that's such a hard thing to do because we're always looking to mask, um, you know, uh, things that have gone on and uh, we're sort of, you know, we, 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 we become that victim or that, you know, that victim's identity primarily if we're... Uh, not able to no, but sort it's, just, of... it's just downright just embarrassing and shameful, yeah, really. agree, You yeah. know, even to this day, I I feel very ashamed of my behaviour and, 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 and embarrassed, but very fortunate that I had enough self-awareness and insight eventually that I was able to turn it around. And also now that serves others well, um, also, especially when we're talking in the men's space, that there are still so many women just like me who are out there that are hurt and burnt, who aren't getting the kind of help that they need. However, the um, you know the domestic violence industry, I'll call it, mm. is just so skewed towards only protecting women. In fact, 
ironically, I think it leaves so many women even more vulnerable by not recognising, um, you know, the role that we all play. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, uh, I was in Maryborough Prison last week and, uh, you know, basically uh, 70% of who I was speaking to were in there for domestic violence issues, you know. Um, and I, 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 I never realised how, how prevalent it is in Queensland, but it certainly is. Um, you know, my passion is to be able to help guys with the tools so they can become more conscious and self-aware of their emotions so these sorts of behaviours don't really... Um, but do you yeah, think we're on. really seeing what leads to domestic violence though? Like, mm. you know, like I was dealing with a guy today and his wife is extremely violent and, um, you know, he's a big guy and she's a very small girl. Mm. And, and his wife and, is, yeah. And he he can't do anything because if he one day accidentally retaliates, then mm. that, that would be just another man in prison. Yes. And I'm not suggesting at all that men don't perpetrate violence and women aren't absolute victims of domestic violence. I'm not saying that at all. Mm. I'm just saying we're not hearing the full story on everything mm. and also people taking responsibility for the roles that they play in relationships that lead to conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well said. We just tend to tar it all with one brush. Yeah, yeah, you're right, and, and and you know some of the stories that I was hearing was very minor things, and uh, you know the the police were right onto these guys for it, and uh, you know if they've had some form of offence before, then they're straight back, uh, so there's no mucking around. But um, yeah, so then who's raising these boys then, Aaron? Mm. You know that that's my argument as well. If women are still saying that they're primarily charged with raising and rearing children, then you know what's going on with raising our boys that they're ending up as ang- angry, upset men. Mm, that's right. But see, Ray, you know, this is something that I'm really, really passionate about, to be able to help guys that have experienced this sort of trauma, you know, as little boys, and it's sort of carried on with them their whole life, and they might have seen Dad doing that to Mum years ago or whatever, if they were lucky to have their parents together. But, you know, certainly... Um, to be able to help them develop some emotional intelligence where they, 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 they know themselves well enough to not be able to act out or look outside themselves, you know, for an intervention, whether that be drugs or alcohol or whatever, you know. And, um, but just, what about early intervention? Again, like I'll go back to why, how come we're not raising our boys to, to honour and value and cherish themselves? Because typically boys raised is, you know, to not actually have... Um, be shown mm. how to care for self, mm. whereas girls, I mean, women are biologically designed to risk their lives to create and men are designed to risk their lives to protect. Mm. So men being raised or boys being raised, um, and especially here in Australia being so stoic that it's like, yeah, just man up, toughen up, you know, we're very sport-oriented, we're very macho-oriented, but girls, you know, we are we are taught to honour our body, bodies. We're taught to take care of them, mm. our bodies at all costs, because we have a lot of things that occur in our bodies early in life. Yeah. Whereas men don't. And I remember having a conversation with a guy. I was at a speaking event a couple of years ago, and we were standing outside next to this like really beautiful vintage car. And I said, oh, that's nice, isn't it? He said, yeah, it's mine. I said, oh, wow. And this guy clearly doesn't take care of himself because he was he looked very, very unhealthy in so mm, many ways. Mm. And I said, wow, who, who takes up care of your car? It's beautiful. And he said, I do. And I said, oh, wow. Well, who 
how did you learn how to do that? He said, my dad taught me from mm. when I was a little boy mm. how to restore and how to care. And I said, who taught you to care for yourself or showed you how to do that? And he looked at me really stupidly. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, who showed you how to care for yourself? And he said, why would I even matter? Mm, that's right. Yep. So, you know, we've got to get away from this. We've got to change men to I think families have to look at how we're raising boys. Mm. Mm. Oh. You know, get upstream. I agree. Well, that, that, that's right. Early intervention is... is uh is really where, where where it's at, you know, next generational type stuff. But at the same time, Ray, look, you look at, look, like I, what really, what, how I become really interested in this men's health stuff, right? I've been managing like male dominated workforces for 20 years or more. And, you know, large, managing large amounts of guys and in the workplace, you know, primarily. So I had a labor hire business and I worked for some other labor hire companies and so forth. And I burnt myself out too, trust me. So I, I understand what it's like, but um you know i was putting guys into big organizations small organizations and health and safety was huge you know hurt yourself we're gonna we're gonna look after you but nothing to do with preventative stuff like to really give them the tools and solutions to be feeling safe in the workplace first first and foremost you know psychologically safe and cared for and these sorts of things if you can get a guy that's had some form of conflict in his life and he's in a workplace where he feels respected and regarded and you know and and supported and safe then the 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 performance of that individual in the workplace is you know is significantly amplified but but also when he leaves the workplace he's a much more present calm you know relaxed individual that um is more conscious and self-aware and i just think the workplace as you know has got a huge opportunity and responsibility to be able to help individuals be better people when they leave the workplace as well as what they are when they're there. And um, now that, that proactive approach is, is so much more uh, powerful than the reactive approach. And, you know, back back 20 years ago, I could see that was the, the gap and the need back then, you know, and um, we've certainly, we've come a long way. We've still got a lot, a, lot, a lot of work to do with regards to this sort of stuff, you know, and uh, valuing people is... is um, you know, is a, is, a, is a new thing in itself to be able to really show um, care and compassion. And you talked about competition before. You know, guys, we're competing, so we don't have any self-love. We're competing, you know, for a job. We're competing in sport or whatever that may be. We're, we're, be, we're bred to be competitors and consumers, but we don't have compassion for ourselves. You know, we, we don't actually have that, that, that self-love and that self-awareness to, so we can be compassionate. So that guy is putting care and love into his car or is putting care and love into his car, but not any care and love into himself, you know, at all. And I think- Because no one showed him. Absolutely, but I believe our education system is, has got, a, a, you know, a, 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 a responsibility to be able to help individuals like that that aren't getting it from dad or whoever, you know, to be able to help. But when you say dad or whoever, like that's the narrative. It's always dad, not mum or grandparents Mm. or anything like that. Mm. We always go to that, you know, obvious thing. And that is also very um, vilifying for men to Mm. hear that narrative all the time. Like, you know, every time it's it's school holidays, Christmas school holidays, when school's going back, it's like, you know, what are mums putting into lunchboxes or dad jokes or, Mm. you know, we just have – We've just got to just change the narrative to include everybody mm. in in being important mm. um, and being respected and not not being demonised. I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, true, and that, that that that's that's true. And you know, the old adage of a village to raise a, 
a child, you know, that sort of stuff isn't probably discussed as much now as what it actually once was. But um, certainly, you know, um, there's there's so much to do in those formative years. And, you know, and it sounds like you and I, like, you know, that, that sort of those teen years, we become a little bit disjointed with, with our perspective of life and, you know, what we actually thought life was all well, about. Well, it's, it's, it's pure survival Yeah, as well. that's right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're only surviving. But, you know, I've raised yeah. two boys and um, as a single parent as well. And, um, and you know, my boys have really good dads as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they're not they're, – they, I mean, we don't agree on parenting. None of us agree on parenting, but they're always good enough dads because they're the dads. Mm. Yep, you absolutely. know, I'm the mum, they're, they're the dads. I can't be the dad. Yes, that's right. But this judgment we have that, you know, we, oh, he's a hands-on dad. Well, what's a fucking hands-on dad? Yeah. You know, <laughs> just let a man just raise his kid yes. and don't don't judge because they are good enough. Yeah, And, that, you know, true. when you talk about workplace as well, like workplace is nowhere near supporting men at all, especially in, in the workplaces that we're talking about. Mm you know, male-dominated blue-collar stuff, yep. it is so much stigma still there. I had a guy the other day that came into my um, counselling room and we had a session and, and I knew that there was stuff going on with his manager that wasn't ideal, but we got to the getting close to the end of the session and I looked at his eyes and I just knew there was something behind them and I, and I said, we're not finished yet, are we? And then he started crying mm. and he said, well, on the way here, to this session, I was I tried to drive my car into a tree, oh. and and this is all due to work like he's actually being assaulted in the workplace. Mm. But this guy is six foot four, big, burly, strong, football, all the jazz, mm. you know. And when I went to the higher powers to say we at this here's a workplace health and safety issue, their response was, "Do you think he's just a bit soft?" Are you serious? But, but that's where we are time and time again. When We're not changing nearly fast enough. We say we are, mm. but really, when we, when we're not walking the talk. I don't know. I agree. Don't worry. I hear bluff all the time. Oh, we're doing this, we're doing that. But, but really, are you embracing, uh, you know, a culture of, of well-being, like a real culture of well-being where it's getting driven from the top down? We're not just ticking a box. Mm. You know, uh, and I think that's. I, I want to work with employers that are fair income with regards to this sort of stuff. But I don't want to work with ones that are just box tickers that um, that uh, you know uh, are saying they're doing the right thing. You've got to be able to walk the walk and talk the talk with regards to this sort of stuff because this this pre-ability model is really where it's at. Because if you can, as I said, you know, lay a foundation and create a culture which is really you know embracing the individual and helping their their capacity build, uh, physically, mentally, all that type of stuff in the workplace where they do feel, you know, loved and supported. And that's all a human really wants at the end of the day, isn't it? You know, that, that love and support. And if you can show that, the, the return on investment, let's just call it that, is significant because the person feels like they're valued and they're, um, you know, they're respected and, and they want to be part of that. And, you know, you talk to any really heart-based leader and, and that's, you know, it's just natural for them to lead that way. But it's not, a, it's not a thinking process. You know, if you're a genuine leader and you've got a, you know, a, a really uh, strong interest in helping um, people be better than what they were when they arrived with you, then I think that's how, how things will start to change, you know. And um, 
Um, you know, the schools can certainly help with all that. There's lots that we can help, you know, parents and, and other people, um, you know, with, with raising their children to be able to do the more heart-centered, um, you know, um, I suppose, you know, learning and development and that type of stuff. But yeah, I just saw the gap, you know, years ago, Ray, with regards to, to, to the way we're being reactive rather than proactive. And, you know, we've still got a slow culture with regards to this sort of stuff, but I think it's, it's slowly starting to, you know, to change because we need to change. The way that we've worked previously hasn't worked very well and we've got to try and, you know, improve that, I guess. Mm. But also you mentioned before, Aaron, that, you know, not working with organisations who are just the box tickers, mm. they're exactly the organisations that we should be working mm. with. What's a good the, ones that are, the, the ones that are doing it well, you know, need to be continually resourced, updated, but they've, al- they've already got an appetite for it. It's the ones that don't who need the most change. Mm. And, you know, my experience in working in the men's space, like, guess what, I'm a girl, hasn't been easy <laughs> to push through. Um, that you mentioned... Um, I'm I'm the vice president of the Australian Men's Health Forum and mm. we're the peak body for men's health here in Australia and I've been on that – I was the first woman on that board and I've been on that board for a number of years mm. and I've just seen the amazing – even as a men's health organisation, as a peak body, the difficulty in getting um, traction um, is, you know, most of it's been done by – like on the smell of an oily rag by people like Glenn Poole, who mm. also lives in Agnes Water, mm. Peach Schmeagle, um, you know, guys like that who every day just keep getting up and keep getting up and mm. knocking on doors. Mm. Um, that's what's making change. And it's and it's with the people that is, men's health is unpopular. And I've seen so much. We've come such a long way in influence and, um, and getting the attention of decision makers over the years, again, with pretty much hardly any funding. Mm. Um, so we, we, you know, I think, you know, men's health, like women's health, if you think this year in the federal budget, $549 million or something was allocated to women's health. Mm. Do you know how much was allocated to men's health? Five. Men's mental health? Zero. Are you serious? Not a cent. Well, it, it goes into the generic pool, but nothing specifically for men's health. It, you know, it gets swallowed up in, you know, cancer research and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But, but nothing. And, and, in fact, the other day um, there was an announcement made by the government around suicide prevention. Um, and for the first time in the suicide prevention strategy here in Australia, men are now a priority. So we are just so happy yeah, that geez. finally, finally there is actually an acknowledgement that um this is this is serious because when men kill themselves and they do mm. they leave women they leave daughters they leave you know they leave everybody mm. Mm. That's right. so it's it's really important ray um i don't believe there's been any stats over the last couple of years with regards to the male suicide do there you, hasn't i'm uh, not that i'm aware of has there or well yes absolutely yeah, yeah. How's that you looking? Know, like how how's things sort of changed? Great. Yeah, can you give us <laughs> an idea around that? Well, you know, of of the nine suicides that we know of every day in Australia, seven are men. Mm. So that keeps rising. In in my time in men's health, that's that's continually rising. But we're not even then accounting for, you know, the, the slow burn suicides. So you think about, just say for example, 
prostate cancer. You know, prostate cancer research, um, one of my charities, White Alpha Men's Health, we raise money and awareness for prostate cancer research here in Australia. And um, so it's a, it's a really big field. And, you know, survival of prostate cancer for men has just become like escalated, you mm. know, over the last many years, mm. which is a fantastic thing. So everyone just goes, okay, that's great. But when a man survives prostate cancer, he's left with a whole range of things like erectile dysfunction, um, incontinence, a whole range of things that mm. completely strips a man of his dignity and pride. So then that's where we see a lot of men who do that slow burn suicide. They can't go out because there's, guess what, there's no um, male disposal units for male sanitary um, mm. products. Yeah. So men can't go out, so they stay at home, often substance misusing, um, depression, anxiety, all those things come into play and suicidality as well. Mm. So we have all of these d determinants around men's health that lead to these astronomical rates of suicide, whereas we tend just to say men kill themselves because they don't speak, they don't show emotion, and they don't seek help, which is bullshit, mm, mm. because they do. Yeah. Um, most male suicide, about 70% of male suicide is attributable to a situational crisis, mm. which is primarily relationship breakdown, financial distress, and then um, custody issues with kids. So, you know, there's another place we can influence change. Yeah, yeah, amazing. That, that, that's, that's really interesting to hear because, um, yeah, you're right. We, we don't know what's going on under the bonnet, do we, uh, a lot of the times. And, um, no. And, and a, a simple little thing like that, you know, like the, the prostate thing and, and all the shame that might come along with that, but there's no, no support mm. mechanism in place for someone that's actually going through these sorts of things. And, no. Um, you know, or no, no. Re recognition for it at all. So, yeah, you're right, Ray. We, we've got a, a long way to go with regards to that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you think a man who's not seeing his kids, men who've raised their children, they've bought the house, they've worked hard, you know, their whole life is all of a sudden just taken away from them. They're kicked out, they're couch surfing, mm. they're allowed to see their kids under supervision, you know, maybe once a week. Um, all their money is just going to serve the family and mm. it is it is just such a recipe for um, disaster for everyone mm. because... You know, kids aren't getting to see their dad, and then dads end up being so distressed after, you know, some, you, you look at organisations, wonderful organisations like um, Dads in Distress that take yeah. care of men who haven't seen their children for up teen years mm. and spent all their money on court costs just so they can just even send their kid a birthday card. Yeah. Yeah, yep. that that will that will stretch somebody to a point where they break, and when somebody breaks and mm. snaps, yep. you know that's when men either pick up a gun and kill themselves, mm. or or unfortunately kill other people. Mm. Mm. That's true. It's it's sad, Ray. What what's the antidote? Like, where when are things going to start to change here? Do you think? I think just you know we, we we've got to be having proper conversations about everybody. And I'll always, this, this is not, a, genders are different. Men and women are different and there's a whole lot of light and shade in the middle as well. But I think we should be talking about everybody. And, you know, you talked spoke about education before, Aaron, and I think we need to be having these more um, equal, balanced conversations right from the get-go. Mm. 
in how we're raising our kids that everybody matters but still too often in schools i see now that you know in and sporting clubs that boys are getting the pep up talk mm. you know be good be kind be nice you know and you know protect women at all costs and mm. but who's protecting them yeah nobody yeah that's right nobody so it's it's again i'm not dismissing violence against women i'm not dismissing that at all all i'm saying is that it's is everybody's conversation we all need to be part of it mm. that's the uncomfortable stuff isn't it is it yeah is there any anything else that you think like you know is definitely worth um bringing up in this conversation with regards to you know other other challenges that might be um you know difficult for us to talk about um yeah, I think, you know, dismissing men, as, as I said before, not speaking out, not showing emotion and seeking help. A baby boy is not born with that as part of his DNA. Mm. That's just, that doesn't happen. That's how he's raised. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so true. I think we need to be looking at how we're raising our boys um, around, you know, vulnerability and sensitivity aren't female only attributes they look different in men but they're very present and they're beautiful attributes mm. Mm. and i don't think we allow men to actually emerge these attributes so therefore they don't have a relationship with it mm. and feel guilty ashamed and not masculine or soft <laughs> mm. if you if you are vulnerable yeah yeah ray it's amazing like i I, I, I've started, like, I've been running men's circles for years and, and like, mm. sort of up here in Agnes, I do, and we get, a, like, a, a lot, you know, I must say a lot, 15, 20 guys regularly, but it's all about getting to that, that like, we, we, the vulnerabilities, the, the core of what we're doing, uh, where we're talking about life really, really deeply and we're, we're really able to support each other. The, 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 the ego and the dick pulling stuff does not come into this. You know, I've been around that environment mm. enough. You know, we've got to start to give guys care and support and compassion to be able to, you know, really understand who they are, you know, yeah. outside their identity of being a baller maker or whatever they actually are, you know. They're, they're a human being and, and you know, that they've got uh, the ability to be able to, you know, be more emotionally intelligent, to be able to learn these skills and tools to support them in modern life, you know, and I mm. understand that it's okay to be vulnerable because, you know, I went through the whole journey too, you know, like um, masking shit with booze and then then changed and then got into the fitness and build the muscles up and looked like I was, um, you know, Superman, but at the same time all I was doing was protecting my heart. Yeah. You know, I was just, yeah, just yeah. protecting my heart, but then... I realised that, uh, you know, actually being open and honest and vulnerable about things was what I really need to do to start to heal. And, and you know, when you have those conversations with, with guys, uh, it's amazing, you know, that they can see that within themselves as well. They can actually see that they're, that they're going mm. through the same stuff to be able to identify it. And then they can start to open up and really speak, um, you know, um, uh, in, a, in, a, in a safe environment where they can start to, to, to you know, maybe realise where things have been blocking them and then be able to sort of put interventions in place to help them turn the corner. But I think that's exactly it, Aaron. Men are doing it in, in safety, sharing in safety, so mm. um, which, is, which is fantastic. But still, for a man to go out and express those kinds of vulnerabilities um, publicly, you know, you look at um, 
um, social media and, and dating, for example, online dating mm. for men is horrendous. They say it's horrendous for women. I'm sure it is, and I know it is. <laughs> but but also for men, the expectation is tall, <laughs> good job, and then you go into the whole romantic um, industries as well, like Valentine's Day and weddings and stuff like that. Mm. You know, men really miss out on that because it's all about, you know, Valentine's Day, it's not about men at all. It's mm. all about women. And mm. if a man and a man needs to perform on that day or, or he needs to be able to come up with the right um, mm, response present. to Valentine's Day yes. or, you know, the right engagement ring and then the expectation around biology kicks in and the man has to provide a home and a, mm. a safe space and a good job to provide for raising a family, which is part of biology. But still, men keep missing out on these, these things. And, again, the amount of men that I see... They just want to be loved, hugged. Yep. They, they want to have they want to have sex with their wives be, out of love, mm. not out of pure sex. Yes. They want to be. They want to actually be held, and they're so misconstrued that men are just after a root, or they, yeah. you know, they just have this insatiable appetite for sex. Mm. No, they actually want. They actually need to be um, physically adored mm. yeah. as well. Well and said. Yeah, and they cry. They come in and they, they cry because they're just being so neglected. Mm, it's amazing, isn't it? It goes way, way back, you know. And and I believe, like, my mum had um, postnatal depression and, you know, maybe mm. I missed out on a bit of that when I was younger and all that too. And, um, yeah, I... I that was probably part of my my makeup, I think, as well. And uh, you know, I was able to recognise that. I never had anyone else, um, you know, explain or figure that out for me. But, but yeah, you, you're right. But but I think you think about it, Ray. Like like humans, we're, we're we're created to live in tribes in an environment where we are supporting each other. And you know, it wasn't until the colonial model came along and, and other systems before this that you know humans were living in their pure nature and their pure essence. But you know, we're we're being we're being disconnected consistently, and we're being denatured with the work we're doing, or you know, the environments that we're actually in. But if you can get back to that harmony of support and and so forth and love, as you said, that's really what a human needs to thrive. And we're just going to look at all the other creatures, um, if, you know, on this planet. They're they're doing things in that environment which we're, which are naturally responsive, you know, and they're they're in they're in tribe, you know. So there's lots we can actually learn from that. Mm, so you were cutting out a little bit there, Aaron. Hopefully, we've got the, the connection back. Yeah. So, so we're we're really, we're really you know we're, we're, we've got a, an opportunity now to be able to redivert the way that we live to to you know mm. so we're we're actually like you know in that tribal environment and that's where the circles are really good because it actually creates that support and culture again. Mm. Yeah. But, but you mentioned um, a little bit there about your mum and postnatal depression, which mm. you know is it, it's. It's a, it's a terrible thing, you know, when you, you've gone through the whole cycle of, um, of, of pregnancy. But, you know, do you know how many men actually experience postnatal depression and die from it as well? Mm. That goes largely unrecognised. Mm. Um, because people forget that men are also biologically connected to their children. <laughs> mm, that's true. And the assumption is, again, that, you know, it becomes about the woman and then the child's born and it's about the child and... But the man is often, you know, just sent off to work. And that's why even things like, you know, paternity leave, which is fantastic that, you know, organisations are stepping up for paternity leave. But if you look at the um, 
the numbers of men that actually take it up, it's very, very low. Mm, no because doubt. Because they can't. Yes, and they, they'd feel like um, a little bit guilty from maybe doing it possibly too. But, yeah, I remember when my first son was born, I, I reckon I went through that sort of stuff too and, and I, I yeah. didn't, didn't have any, any support. Um, you know, I talked to my, my parents and I wasn't really getting a, a lot of some feedback from them, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, but, but at the same time, Ray, you look at that and you look at our chemistry and a lot of guys that I, I, I sort of, you know, um, do a bit of, you know, support with, um, you know, they're in their mid forties and, and there's a real thing called andropause that, um, we don't really understand as guys, which is, you know, really mucking around with our biology and, um, you know, our hormones are sort of all over the place too. So, um, you know, yeah, there's, there, there's, there's just that awareness that we need to be able to have um, with regards to, you know, understanding where we're going. And it's, it's interesting what you said before about, you know, guys, um, you know, getting to that PTSD or that sort of postnatal stage and taking their lives. I hadn't really heard that one before. Oh, it, again, it's something that's unrecognized. Well, it's not, it's, it, but it's, 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 it's very, you know, it's, there's a minority group that will look at this, and I don't think there's even much research done into it. But it's it's absolutely a thing. Same yeah. with um, you know, a disordered eating and body image issues that can lead to suicide as well, and so and various forms of self harming in men. It is especially in boys self harming, mm. cutting. It's huge, but there's there's no resources, there's no support pathways, um, there's no support and. You know, the, the, the answer is, you know, don't be an idiot. Don't be stupid. Yeah, judgment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's probably the same with girls as well. Yeah. I mean, self-harming is a whole thing that is totally misunderstood, same as disordered eating. It's all seen as just stop it, you know, you know, keep eating or start eating. But, you know, mm. it's all about control. Mm. It's mm. when, you know, kids lose control um, of their lives, and I know I'm one of those people you know, having no control over my childhood mm. and developed, you know, a pretty significant <laughs> eating disorder and all other kinds of self-harming things. But, you know, mm. you, you know that you, you have the control. Mm. Um, and that's the feeling that um, it's, it's very unhealthy, but it's also one that actually keeps us alive because yes. it gives us a sense of purpose. Yes. I know that sounds, it's not that I'm condoning any of those things at all, but... <laughs> yeah, no, no, well, so that, that's really... Uh really interesting to, to hear that sort of stuff and it's, it's something that we don't discuss much you know it's it's good to to be having this conversation with you because we've gone deep really quickly with regards to you know um the the real stuff not fluffing around the edges and um yeah mm. that's what we need to hear the uncomfortable uncomfortable things you know sometimes and we could we could definitely go a lot deeper about um you know a lot of the things we've sort of touched on here but one thing that really come to me was uh the dollars that's still not coming for men's men's health and obviously uh you know with what you're doing with um the Australian Men's Health Forum there's obviously a need to be able to support that more so you know I'm hoping that, yeah. that, that will hopefully change in the future and there will be some more recognition mm. for what you guys are actually doing oh look and you know what we do I think really really well is we represent the sector and there are so many people just like you Aaron who are doing amazing things at the grassroots with no funding, mm. no resources, but just have such a, a, a an interest, a passion and a desire to create change. Um, you know, our role is to raise you guys up, to, you know, make you visible to the men who really need you. Mm. So Thank you. 
um, that's, you know, I'm so proud of that, about what, what the, the forum does. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You know, God, it's, it's, it's evolved and emerged. And, you know, I'm really grateful for, for, for everything that you're doing there. And, and to have a lady uh, like yourself uh, at a high level in that organisation, I think that's testament to the, uh, to the organisation to, to, to allow that to happen. But it's really what we need, that balance, you know, and, um, yeah. and stripping away the ego and not having any ego drive with regards to this sort of stuff. You know, as I said, we've, we've, mm. we've had enough dick pulling going on. Um, yep. It goes on in politics every day, and we don't need leadership like that anymore. We need uh, heart-based, compassionate leaders which can actually start to, you know, help change. I really believe, yep. you know, that's that's the direction mm. we've got to start heading. So, Ray, mm. I know uh, mindful for your time. Now, what is the best way for people to reach out to you if they actually want to uh, to touch base? Oh, look, you can just Google Ray, Bonnie and men, yeah. <laughs> bring you up enough stuff. Um, email is ray at raybonnie.com and so is my website, um, raybonnie.com. So, yeah, um, yeah if, you, if anyone can find me anywhere, really. Um, cool. I'm, hmm. I'm sure, I'm sure like, there'll be a lot of, uh, a lot of people that, uh, that will do so after this and, um, you know, I'm really, I'm really grateful for you coming on. I, I, I really am. I think we could be talking here for a lot longer. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those uh, podcasts that, um, that, that can really open up, um, you know, and um, you know, I'm hoping that we might better have another chat in the future and, uh, and to be able to, you know, give some more um, awareness to guys Well, I, I want to take it up to Agnes Water, thanks. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll take you up on that and we'll do it live. <laughs> We'll uh, we'll uh, we'll organise that for sure. I think your boss works up here, so we can uh, we can arrange that. That's right. A bit of luck. So. Yeah, we might have a next board meeting up there. That's true. That sounds like a good idea to me. So do it in a in a COVID safe way. Of course, of course. Cool. And um, thank you for inviting me, Aaron. I I can't even remember how you found me. Oh, we'll we'll talk about that when I uh, when I <laughs> when I shut this off. Thank you very much, Ray. Pleasure. Guys, thanks so much for listening in. Uh, yeah, pretty uh, pretty deep conversation there in many ways, and yeah, I would love to have gone a lot deeper, don't worry. So, uh, Ray and I will be definitely having some more of these chats. If you'd like to maybe give me some feedback on some topics that you'd like us to explore even further, um, great, you know, and um, uh, yeah, very wise lady that's um, had the lived experience, which is great, you know, not someone that's come from academia that's... Um, is is um you know able to give us uh, guidance and advice from from that 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 core at the end of the day you know and that's so valuable so i'm really grateful for her um you know giving us our, t- our time and speaking with us uh so passionately and so deeply today so appreciate your feedback if you want to send me an email support at backmind.com.au please uh keep uh listening in sharing the podcast with some others and i'm sure it'll uh uh, definitely help a lot out uh, out there this one. So appreciate your support. Cheers.